another edition of Battle Red Radio. I'm your host, Colton Molesky, and I am joined by my co-host, Corey DLG, and producer, Nico. We are going to be looking ahead to the Kansas City Chiefs-Houston Texans matchup for Week 15. Coming in close to the end of the season. Can't believe it's already approaching. But we're going to get ready for KC, as well as talk about some injuries for the Texans. One big one that looks like we'll have the running back sideline for the foreseeable future. We'll get to all of that. But first, boys, we've got to talk about another, that's right, another concussion problem in the NFL Corey, they did it again. They messed up somehow after tweaking the concussion protocols, tweaking how they handle concussions in midseason because they had such an egregious failure. Not really even one. It was like a series of concussion problems in the first couple of weeks headlined by the Tua concussion, and they're still messing it up. They still have not figured it out somehow. Yeah, this is – um. You know, when we were talking about this initially, I told you the NFL's not gonna they're gonna they're gonna get this right in the PR sense. They're not gonna they're they have no way of figuring this out in the realistic way. It starts with the two a situation, back to back games. They totally don't take him out of the first game. Uh, he does go to the sideline but complains of neck issues, back issues, not head issue. Because he doesn't say head, nobody checks him for the concussion, he goes back into the game. Uh, then the following week against the Bengals, he has the scary seizure hit. And they basically concede that that was their fault, that they that they let him out there when he might have still had a concussion. He misses a couple weeks. He comes back. Uh, Matthew Stafford basically had the same thing happen, though, where in back-to-back weeks, he gets, he gets pulled out of one game because of concussion issues, goes back in the following game, and comes out again with concussion issues, and it's his wife who issues the statement publicly, basically saying the NFL is not protecting its players. Somebody has to do something. Why, oh, why doesn't anyone care about the player safety? Um, this is what this is what everyone has been harping on. This is what everyone's been saying. And it's happened to a couple other players, but now very publicly the NFLPA has stepped in on behalf of Devontae Parker from the Monday Night Patriots game. And it's just, it's another issue. It was... Literally on air, Troy Aikman said, oh yeah, and Parker's wobbly getting up. And then, into the play, Aikman and Joe Buck spend even a little bit more time talking about it. Somehow, though, um, they do get they do get him out of the game. Game, he's he gets up, he's bouncing off of teammates as they're trying to help him up. He's clearly wobbling and shaky on his feet. And then they go into the next play, and it literally takes Nelson Aguilar, his, uh, another receiver on the Patriots, his teammate, show him. literally jumping up and down, yelling at refs. The, the game, the play has got to, can't go on. The game has got to be stopped to check out Parker. Like, it took an NFL player literally jumping around, getting a little hysterical, trying to make sure the play is stopped so Parker can get out of the game when there's supposed to be all sorts of this spotting system and there's supposed to be doctors that can step in and stop the play uh, if somebody appears wobbly or disoriented. Uh, and none of that seemed to work after all of the concussions. Sunday was another day where there was a bunch of 
concussions going into the Monday night football game uh, for quarterback Kenny Pickett. Uh, you had a, a you had Russell Wilson with a concussion. No, and, and Parker uh, Tuesday went on Instagram and he criticized the NFL publicly. He said, "Get on y'all's effing job, NFL." And he also thanked Nelson Aguilar for being aware of the situation, uh, which is those are nice. But you're right; there's supposed to be somebody who's watching the field, and what they're supposed to be watching for is big collisions and then how those people react post big collision. The second Parker goes to stand up, there's a receiver helping him to his feet, and he immediately almost comes off of his feet back down to the ground. It 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 was obvious instantly to Troy Aikman. And it was obvious instantly on television that Devontae Parker was in trouble. Um, if he was a fighter, a referee would have would have called for a pause or a stoppage. I mean, it, it was that it was that level of, of instability. And yeah, there's supposed to be guys in the stands working for the league who are communicating this. There's supposed to be uh, independent neurologists on each sideline who are watching this. The reality is. Their system sucks. It's fake. It's not It's not efficient. It's not effective. It's not protecting the players. They're not watching people after the hits. They're not... Nothing they're doing is proactively keeping these guys, first of all, from getting these concussions. I know they're trying to do a lot with the helmets and the different things and the systems. But we've had a lot of concussions this year. We've had a lot of them. Uh, and, and also, they're just not doing the job of getting these guys off the field in any sort of regular or safe fashion. And so to me, if I'm the NFLPA, you've got a legitimate concern to take into the offseason. You've got a real chip to play where you can you've got something to say about listen, we're we're partners on all these different things, revenue and player retirement and health insurance and and, and uh and uh whatever they call re- retirement for them, the the pension all these different things. And instead, nobody is keeping these guys' brains protected right now. And that was a big story. You know, Will Smith made a movie about it six years ago, whatever it was. And yet here we are all the way back to it yet again. And all the protections that they seemingly put in place feel like an elaborate PR campaign at this point. It's crazy because it seems... We're not asking for them to, like figure out which hits are the ones that are causing uh, CTE, even if a player doesn't show any symptoms. We're not asking for them to uh, make this game 100% safe. It's basically, hey, if a guy looks like clearly looks like he has a concussion, how about you, you make sure he gets out of the game? Doesn't feel like a huge ask, but... Yeah, it's another week of the NFL where they seemingly struggle with that task. It's interesting because they do have in the rules all these different protections for defenseless receivers and all these different hit protections. Don't lead with the head. Don't hit over the shoulder. A lot of these different things, protections, even even on running backs and receivers now about when and how you can hit them. And yet they still don't seem to be able to call those accurately either. And they're definitely not coming out of those going, who's safe, who's protected, who's okay. So to me, I think that there's a real issue with just... We, I, I, we've talked about this. I said at the very beginning that I really... I, I, I very strongly felt like the concussion system wasn't working. It was obviously not working. And that anything they did was going to be superficial. 
And the problem is they keep getting themselves caught on national spots, in national moments, in big games. It was the it was the Bengals tight end just the week later who kept saying it was a shoulder injury, but he clearly didn't know where he was for about ten seconds. Like I there's a real problem in the NFL with this, and it doesn't feel like there's any actual momentum to correct. Yeah, it. I, I don't know what has to change because they have the the supposedly independent neurologists, or I don't even want to come after them. They're if they have the independent neurologists and they have all of these rules in place, like what what is the communication issue that's not that's not being solved in in some of these football games? Do you really believe that they have independent neurologists on the sidelines still? I don't know that I even believe that. I have no idea what the situation is with those neurologists, but does it have to be where you just like go like the day of the game <laughs> in whatever city it is, go to like a local hospital and just say, "Hey, we need to contract out one of your uh, a random uh, a random neurologist or a ran- just a random doctor in general to come to the game and just observe and make sure you're pulling guys. Just it, just somebody random every single uh, week. They're going to a, a hospital in one of these cities where they're hosting these NFL games just saying, hey, we just need somebody random who has no ties to the NFL. And we're just going to pluck him at random out of the hospital. And all you got to do is just if somebody looks like they might have a concussion – just pull them from the game. <laughs> I don't know. I think oh, <laughs> uh, they might just be going to like bus stops outside the stu- the stadium. Hey, are you awake? Do you want a job? We'll pay you $200. You can stand on the sidelines. We're going to call you doctor. Uh, I First of all, the idea calling them independent while knowing that they are paid by the league already feels incorrect. I know somebody has to pay them. They're not going to work for volunteer. I understand that. But I think we first need to establish that they're paid for by the league. But secondly, they just need to be flat out. It feels like they don't have skin in the game. Like, I would be questioning the license, the licensing of a independent neurologist who doesn't assume Devontae Parker has some sort of concussion-like symptoms after he can't stand up. I've got this ESPN article up, and it talks about one of the both parties agreed to amend the protocol by adding a taxia on the list of no-go symptoms. So if you experience a taxia, you're supposed to be an automatic no-go. You come out of the game and you don't go back in. A taxia is defined as abnormality of balance stability, motor coordination, or dysfunctional speech caused by a neurological issue. In other words, if a player is diagnosed with a taxia by any club or neutral physician involved in the application of the concussion protocol, he will be prohibited from returning to the game and will receive the follow-up care required by the protocol. So, based on the amended rules that they made after the Tua situation, stumbling around after a tackle on the field should mean that he comes off the field and does not go back in. Nobody grabbed Parker and pulled him off the field. Also, he's like the fourth player that they haven't pulled off the field in this situation that, that we know of publicly. And it's, again, it's just concerning because these are calls that it doesn't take a doctor to make. No, if you can see it on camera from home, the, the, the NFL has a very real problem. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, it just, it feels like it has to be, 
it almost feels like it has to be some me, somebody with a medical background who is witnessing an NFL game almost like like if I uh, like if there's a physician who is of sound uh, it's not even doctors it's like nurses uh, who are not like incapacitated in some way and they witness uh, a car crash like they're obligated to go and, and help and assist if they're able and it's almost like it's almost like you're treating an NFL game like a car crash where you're just bringing in a physician say hang hey you know do your do the responsibility that you're supposed to do in normal public life if you see uh, something that's medically happening in a, a football game like a concussion where you need to call a stoppage just do that in the prism of this of this stadium it almost seems like we're at that point uh, because whatever the, the system they have working going now is is just not working I, I keep trying to give them the benefit of the doubt and then i keep asking myself why because the nfl has never not once has the nfl ever really proven themselves to be anything other than protectors of of their own brand uh i would just think that it would be in their best interest to want to protect their own brand but maybe not maybe they don't care and the reality is they're not interested in fixing this because they don't seem to be interested in fixing it. Because if you were interested in fixing it, you would just put more people in the stands and they would actively be able to communicate in some sort of web of networking where they could reach these guys. Even if you just put them like, instead of saying, I mean, I don't, I'm assuming they're seated in places. I don't know. Put them in the press box or put them next to the press box. So the press can see them. So that everyone knows that there actually are spotters watching the game. I don't know. I just I don't know what they're actively doing. I know what they're saying, but I don't know that I believe them at this point. Because I don't believe that spotters saw the Devontae Parker play and and didn't call that down and say that guy has an in, has a mental has a brain injury. I I feel like this is something that's going to get a really long look in the off season. I don't know if that I don't know if it's going to get fixed, but. Just with how prevalent it's been this season, it's going to be something that's that's hashed out throughout the offseason. The the players should sue. The players should sue, and they should sue because this is a, a clear breach of a very simple set of guidelines that both parties have in place for their labor agreement, right? Like to I'm not a lawyer and I don't know what the what the possible outcomes of it could be, but the NFL is obviously not doing their part of what feels to be a fairly transparent part of the agreement. They're supposed to be watching for these guys and it's obvious they're not. It's a it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mess. I I wish they would fix it, but it's clearly not going to get fixed. Uh, definitely not this season. We'll see what happens in the in the coming months. Yeah, yeah cuz we don't want to we don't want to watch get like even though we all love good hard-hitting physical football it's not fun when people get hurt. Like we're not nobody's no, rooting for it. Like we say it. Like like everyone's like, oh man, why won't he just twist an ankle this week? But like none of us are ever like paralyze that guy. Like that's not what this is. A, that's not what football is about. And so it is frustrating to think that these guys are hurting themselves irreparably for our entertainment because the league isn't proactively. Yeah, no, nobody, nobody wants, nobody wants any of these guys to get injured, and it sucks when there's stuff like this that's supposed to be in place to help them, and it's clearly, it's clearly not working. Hey, speaking of injuries, there is a big one for the Texans. Damian Pierce, 
Uh, the report is a high ankle sprain on him. It looks like he's going to be missing. Uh, I saw the some of the initial reports were one to two games here. Uh, what what are the odds we see Damian Pierce again this year? Here's here's how I'll do it because the odds. I mean, it's either a hundred or zero, right? Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> I think if the Texans handle this smartly. We don't see we don't see Pierce again. We don't need him back for two games because if we put him out there for two games, there's only negatives. There are no positives. We're not playing for anything. And as a matter of fact, we don't want to win anything. So, I, I don't I don't understand the risk of putting him back out there. Everyone else needs to go play for their jobs. No. Dip, dip. So this is a little insider baseball for you, but depending on the structure of your legs, high ankle sprains can take a very long time, or you can heal up from them really quickly. This is something, uh, I think it was, wasn't it Tua who had a surgery performed on him by the great Dr. James Andrews, who fixes NFL players all the time. You gotta wonder, like, what this guy does for a living where he's just so good at only fixing NFL athletes. But, uh, he he put, like, a, 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 like a, a metal wire through the high ankle of Tua so that he'll never sprain his ankle. He'll never get a high ankle sprain again. Those high ankle sprains, too, are no joke. Those take a while to get back from. Do you remember this? When he was playing for Alabama, he he, he sprained the ankle, and they were like, oh, a high ankle sprain. Last time he had one of these, he missed almost six weeks. Uh, Dr. James Andrews says there's a procedure they can do that might clear. He might be ready to go in two weeks. And then I think he even played the first half of that national title game. And it was because of the, the surgery. Um, so there is structurally, if your legs are built a certain way, it is possible that Damian Pierce, if he has the right, this sounds so stupid to say out loud, if he has the right leg structure, he can get a high ankle sprain and come back in two weeks. Um, I, I don't want him to, though. I don't know what the point of that would be. It would show that he's tough, but we already know nice. that he's tough. Like, I, I believe you, buddy. Like... <laughs> you you don't need to do anything for me to believe that you're tough. The only reason I could think of it is to if he's going for the uh, offensive rookie of the year, and they're like, yeah, let him play those last two games, try and cement his case for it. Uh, but is that is that in the grass form? I haven't really heard anything nationally about him being up. For uh, I mean. He had that run after what was it week two I think where he had a, a run of some of like three or four pretty incredible games in a row where he his name was getting thrown regularly in there and but now his momentum has really died. I mean, sort who who else would be the the rookie of the year though offensively? I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think of it now that you say it like that. Like I it didn't even dawn on me to to try and do that. Just like who, like who else is like Garrett Wilson of the Jets? Like I don't know, Chris Olave maybe, but Chris Olave's missed games too. What's the what's the name of the Green Bay Packers rookie who has like eight touchdowns in the last five games? Lazar? No, uh, Watson. Watson, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tua Tua Tayovea. Maybe him. I don't think any of those guys are, are like head and shoulders above Pierce though no no and all of them are on not great teams yeah no you're very right yeah he had a high ankle sprain and Dr. James Andrew they call it a tightrope procedure 
It's called the Knotless Syndesmosis Tightrope Implant System. And basically it like pulls the high ankle tight so that it doesn't bend in those situations. But all it's doing is mimicking good structural biology there. So if you have tight high ankles, you don't you don't sprain them anyway. But even if even if he is able to come back from this quickly and it is two weeks, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know if you I mean, it, it, again, it's something that only they know in the locker room, but if you're bringing him back off a high angle sprain in a year where you have one win and you've got two games left in the season, I, if he's n- anything less than 100%, I'm not putting him back in there. It's like the conversation we had about Stingley the other day. If you're less than 100%, don't rush him back. Yeah, why go out there? Yeah. All right. Uh, when you go top five, so I went to sportsbettingdime.com. I'm not, I'm not stumping for them or anything. That just was trying to find odds for rookie of the year. Sor- sources. So I was looking sources. for something. Uh, top five, Damian Pierce barely makes the cut. Garrett Wilson of the Jets is plus 175. He's your front runner. Kenneth Walker of the Seahawks. Christian Watson of the Packers. Olave of the Saints, then Damian Pierce. Oh, 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 here's one who could win it in these last four weeks, and it would make everyone mad. You want to take a guess? It would make everyone mad. You're saying? Uh, yeah, yeah. If this guy won it, everyone would be livid. I can't think of. I'm trying to think who would. What? You ready? Brock Purdy. Oh, people wouldn't be mad about that. That's a good story. Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. People people would be furious if he came in in the last five weeks and won Offensive Rookie of the Year on that 49ers team. They'd be like, well, yeah, all he had to do was put a ball in the... He'd have to put up some insane numbers for what would it be, six games? Yeah. All he had to do was put the ball in the air or hand it off to someone. Like, that's not hard. He is playing with like the most talented core of players ever. It'd be Garrett Garrett Wilson's the only one on the in that list that is on a team that's actually like decent. Like does does any one of those other guys that you mentioned are they on teams with winning records? I don't think so. Seahawks no, Olave no, with the Saints. No. Uh, so Purdy's the one on the, on the best team. Behind him though, Brian Robinson Jr. the Commanders. Everyone likes him. Pacheco on the Chiefs. Pacheco is is a good dark horse. If I were betting, these odds are plus 2,500 for Pacheco to win. That'd be a good little $100 bet. Kenny Pickett for the Steelers. There's no way that happens. He's going to miss a couple games now with a concussion, too. Well, and Pickens the wideout for the Steelers. Rashad White, the Uh, running back for the Bucs. Pickens doesn't have this. This is a bad rookie class. This is a bad rookie class for offense. Can we give Brian Robinson Jr. the comeback player? I know he's never been in the NFL before. But <laughs> I kind of want to. I can't I mean, believe somebody it's who a got great shot story. is playing NFL football in the same year at running back, no less. I give him the give him comeback player of the year. Did he get shot in the leg twice too? Wasn't it two bullets? Yeah, I believe so. Man, talk about tougher than me, right? Like that's Dude tough. Is, that's a tough guy. Nuts. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say if if Brock Purdy wins it, and I honestly I think it's kind of his to lose because he's on the only good team. So th- this is all this is all eliminating reasons though for Damon Pierce to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I when you said offensive rookie, I hadn't even thought about that. Um. So looking it up, they have him as the fifth choice, but the sixth choice, I think, really is the best chance to do it. I think it's probably going to be Garrett Wilson, especially if the Jets sneak into the playoffs. He is the front runner. His odds are the cleanest, plus one seventy five. Yeah, and barring injury, I feel like he's he's probably the the bet. Uh, just because some of the other guys on that list that are on good teams don't have haven't played as much. Yeah, I think the only problem with him winning it is it's going to be like it's going to be him trying to maintain a lead while Brock Purdy clears the rest of the of the group. Like every week that Brock Purdy plays is another week where it's going to be harder. He doesn't to... have enough games though. He just doesn't. What if they average 30 points a game for the next four or five weeks? He still doesn't have enough stats. I don't know, man. I don't know. Because he's not going to throw a crazy amount in that 49ers offense. So even if they do average 30, it's going to be a large portion of that's going to be the the running attack. Yeah, maybe. I just, I feel like, I feel like he could sneak it in. I think he's my dark horse. I like the idea of him winning it now that we're sitting here looking at it. So we have two people saying Damian Pierce probably not coming back this for this season. Nico, what do you think? Do you see Damian Pierce coming back and playing at all this season? Uh, I really don't want him to. I just want him to just rest and recover because we're going to need all the help next year, and I think that throwing it away on a literal one-win season is worthless. Yeah, that's that's a fair point. Uh, all right, let's let's move along to the the Chiefs game. We are going to take a look at a a team that there might be some points to be had. As bad as the Texans have been, there might be some points to be had. Uh, but first, before we get to the Chiefs, Corey, let's hear from a few of our sponsors. It's never a good idea to drink and drive. But what if you had had a few beers at the game and you know you're not drunk, but you get pulled over and arrested anyway? You need a law firm that knows how to try DWIs, someone who won't just plead you out quickly. You need a lawyer who has 100 hours of hands-on instruction in a lab learning the sciences used in DWI cases. A lawyer ACS qualified to be designated a lawyer scientist. Because these cases aren't like other kinds of cases, your positive outcomes may very well depend on who better understands and presents the science at trial. Attorney Brian Asin is a designated lawyer scientist, and the lawyers at Asin Law Firm have successfully tried and won many of these cases. Call Asin Law Firm at 832-209-2297. That's Asin Law Firm at 832-209-2297. Or visit DWILawyerHouston.com. It's time to trade in your mask for face masks, load up the hoppers, and go to war with your friends. Too hot, too rainy, too cold? Splat Zone has you covered. Literally. It's Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Round up the family and get to 11260 Hempstead to check out Splat Zone Indoor Paintball today. 11260 Hempstead, Splat Zone Indoor Paintball. Splat Zone is a great low-impact, family-friendly experience, and if you use their website to make reservations, you can get 5% off by using the code BATTLERED SPLAT. Um, 
Also, make sure to go to 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130, out here in Conroe, Texas, and visit the Adventure Begins Stadium. It's in the Marcel Town Center on the second floor. The Adventure Begins Comics, Games, and More is a great, family-friendly, well-lit place. Nico and I do all of our nerd shopping there. We just did a charity event with them last weekend that resulted in donations of almost $8,000. These guys are great. They're a big part of the community. They're totally worth uh, spending money at. And this holiday season, if you've got a sports fan in your family, you go to the Adventure Begins Stadium. You can buy some boxes of cards, the sports cards, or you can buy some great sports memorabilia. I saw they've got some currently. They've got some signed soccer jerseys and things like that if you're watching the World Cup. They have all kinds of great sports stuff. Make sure to get the adventure, get to the Adventure Begins, Comics, Games, and more. Get up to the second floor and hang out in the Adventure Begins Stadium right there at the Marcel, Sound, Marcel Town Center, 525 Woodland Square Boulevard, Suite 130, Conroe, Texas. Yeah, I think I think I would say. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'm, okay, I'm saying this right now. I'm gonna say Brock Purdy for Rookie of the Year. All right, well we'll have to see. I mean, maybe people can hedge their bets against you. Maybe people maybe people can go with you. We'll see how it shakes out. I pulled some stats up. I looked at the first game in. He had two touchdowns and 185 yards against Tom Brady. It's not gonna be enough stats, dude. It's not gonna be enough. I, yeah, but I'm counting on the other guys all not like everyone else struggling to keep putting stats up is the problem. So if he has six weeks of if he had come in three weeks ago, you'd be able to. Yeah, talk about I, it. I don't know six really good weeks versus seventeen mediocre ones. I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. I feel like he. Ha- it's just not going to be enough stats. It really, it, that's what it's going to come down to. It's just not enough time. For yeah. It. Also, there's not like a weird. There should be a minimum for stuff like this too, right? Like x amount of games played. There kind of is. It's just relatively unspoken. But the, Right. But, I mean, so, like, if you got hurt middle of the year but you were having a heck of a year? I mean, I don't know. I don't know. We're getting sidetracked. I just – looking at it and then looking at the different people and all the teams – all the bad teams have the good rookies this year. I mean, I know that's how it's supposed to be because it's a draft, but it's, – It's just – it's like with MVP conversations, with scoring titles, is you got to have a certain amount of, of games as well. You can't – they're they're gonna look for uh, consistency or, or progression over the course of a season, over or, or over the large portion of a season, uh, and it's not gonna be enough games. Let's uh let's switch gears here. Talk a little bit about the Kansas City Chiefs, the next opponent for the Houston Texans. What a draw having to face the offenses of the Dallas Cowboys and Kansas City Chiefs back to back weeks. Mm. But. I'm not I'm not trying to predict a win or anything, but I think that there's some points to be had against this Chiefs team. So let's go through the last couple of weeks. Uh, against the Broncos, the Chiefs allowed the most points that the Broncos have scored. A, a team that we had all buried, a, an offense that we had all buried, a quarterback that we had all buried. 28 points for the Broncos. A couple of weeks ago, uh, they play... Uh, Perkins, who had never, who had been on the practice squad for the Rams, and so obviously they look good against them. Narrowly beat the Chiefs against the Jaguars. They have a pretty solid performance against Lawrence. The Titans. I mean, he comes in there, uh, Malik Willis on his uh, first start, and or what was it? His second start. It was like his first or second start for Malik Willis, uh, and. He, they go in and they kind of 
hang with the the Chiefs and end up putting up seven, only losing that game by three points. Then they play the 49ers. I mean, I'm just going through the quarterbacks that the Chiefs have played over the last few weeks. It's not a great collection of quarterbacks, and there's a lot of close games. Chiefs-Titans, three-point game. Uh, you have the, the Rams game was a blowout, but the Broncos game, I mean, they were in that game, ended up being eight points. They were in that game for pretty much the entire second half, and then you have Russell Wilson going out of that game. There's been some rough performances against some new quarterbacks, some bad quarterbacks over the last few weeks. I don't necessarily think, Corey, it's because the Chiefs are bad, but it does seem like in a couple of these games they let the foot off the gas pedal a little bit. I mean, even what was it in the Rams game? That was a two-possession game for a long time and just kind of letting the Rams kind of – I don't think there was ever danger they're winning, but – hanging around for a large portions of that game it feels like this Chiefs team sometimes lets the foot off the gas pedal and kind of lets these these bad quarterbacks back into a couple of these games I think that's a I think that's a fair estimate I'm going back and I'm looking at the scoring summary for the Broncos Chiefs game and it basically was a six-point game the entire second half but watching the game because I remember watching the game and really not feeling like there was any sort of movement on the side of the Bron like the Broncos were never in any danger of closing that gap really. You know what I mean? Like I, I think what happens is I think the Chiefs uh, I think they really I think Patrick Mahomes really is the spirit of the Chiefs offense. And I and I really feel like he's kind of like that hyperactive young kid and like sometimes loses a little focus. And it's easy for them to go out there well, you know what it almost feels like with Mahomes? Do you remember a few years ago, like the 2015 to 17 range? when, Or maybe a little earlier, like 2014 to 16 range. When Curry was just, I mean, he's still amazing. But when he was like really going on heaters oh, yeah, yeah. during seasons. And he would get so bored toying with teams that he would just try like he would just try things in games that guys wouldn't do in like. Yeah, he started practice. shooting the the. He would just. He started shooting the three pointer six six seven feet off the three point line. Uh, or he'd have like the 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 floaters that he was just throwing yeah. up from everywhere. Or he'd be he'd still be. Uh, like he'd still be in the logo shooting the three, and you'd be like, "What? Like, what are you doing?" Uh, no, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, he was just trying stuff in the game because he was so above every other point guard that he was just trying stuff. I think sometimes not to say he's like throwing games or, or something like that, but I think Patrick Mahomes, like some of those throws he's making that throw to Juju Smith, where he gets hit by three guys and still gets that pass to Juju is one of the craziest passes I've ever seen. Uh, he's got the weird flick to McKinnon for the touchdown. I think so many things work that when they're up, I mean, they're up 27 zero at one point in this game. Sometimes he just tries stuff that are a little risky but he can do that because, like, 50% of the yeah, time it the, actually the, works. I forgot about the McKinnon flick until you said it, where he's literally he's, he's running at the line of scrimmage, and he just does, like, this, like, angel toss with the ball right, right, right behind the line of scrimmage. And, and McKinnon has nobody, and like, just houses it from, half to, from, from the 50-yard line. Um, 
Yeah, it's that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is I think that these this team feels unthreatened sometimes in games, and therefore they kind of open the back door a little bit, but then they turn it back on. Like there was the the um, was it the Rams game where they had to come from behind with the last minute and a half to play, or the last fifty. No, no, they were ahead uh, of the Rams. Well, the what was the game where they one? literally the last fifty seconds they had to go down the field and score the game winner? Um, I believe the Tennessee Titans is the one you're probably thinking of when they were playing Malik Willis. No, because I don't. It, and that was to to tie it. They was went that, down. Was it the Raiders where they go in the last second and beat the Raiders? Did they play the Raiders this year? The Raiders was the Raiders was a a, a late win. The uh the the Titans too. I mean the Titans too. They had to come back and score eight points in the fourth quarter to push overtime. Thirty twenty. I think it's this Raiders game that I'm talking about, where Travis Kelsey uh scores the runaway touchdown at the end after the after the Raiders had gone down the field and taken the lead. No, 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 no. I think the Raiders... No, the Raiders-Chiefs game is where they both screwed up the end of the game. Never mind. This is some really great radio where we keep guessing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I cannot get in your head, Corey. I don't know what you're thinking. Uh, but but that's what... That's the point we're making, though, is that this, this team, like, sometimes it, it seems like they're trying new stuff that leads to turnovers. Other times, it feels like... I mean, it's got to be tough to be in the trenches when you're up 27 to zero and be going the same 100%. Oh yeah, for sure. But, uh, okay, here it was. It was the Chargers. The Chargers and them were going back and forth, back and forth. The last half of the game. Um, yeah. in the fourth quarter, there's three touchdowns. It's a Travis Kelsey one that makes it 23, 20. It's a Josh Palmer, uh, touchdown catch from, uh, from Herbert that makes it 27, 23. And then there's a minute 45 on the clock. And the Chiefs go 75 yards down the field in under a minute and 15 seconds. I mean, that's crazy. 75 yards in six plays, and all six plays take under a minute and 15 seconds. They just go down the field, and then Travis Kelsey scores the game winner from 17 yards out. Uh, if you're watching the win probability chart on this game, it's going insane. It looks like a, it looks like my EKG readings or something. Like it's just, it's nuts. It's all over the place. And it's because Travis Kelsey and his Chiefs offense can just at will turn it back on. And I think that that's what happens. They go through this thing. So in the, on the, in the Chiefs-Chargers game, the whole time they're just playing with them. It's 3-0 Chiefs, 3-7 Chargers, 6-7 Chargers, 6-10 Chargers. Then it's 13-10 Chiefs, 13-17 Chargers, 13-20 Chargers, 16-20 Chargers. And then in the fourth quarter, the Chiefs are like, oh, it looks like we might lose this game. Never mind. We'll have a 32-yard touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey from Patrick Mahomes. Now it's 23-20. Now the game starts. And then it just goes back and forth like that. The Chiefs have this really weird ability to kind of turn it on in the middle of the game, but what that does mean is that they turn it off also. And so I do think that's what's happening where these teams are getting close, and then the Chiefs kind of look up at the scoreboard, and they're like, is there only six minutes left and we're down three points? All right, give me the ball. Give me the ball, guys. We're going out there. And I think that that's kind of what happens. Now, it is possible to catch them sleeping. You know, that does mean that if they're if they're willing to be playful and, and not take it seriously, that does mean there's opportunities to go out there 
and not turn the ball over late, to get a takeaway late, do something to keep them off the field. Maybe maybe the nine minute drive in the fourth quarter or something. But you've got to you've got to do something extra on your part because they will turn that switch at some point and go out there and get really aggressive. And there's again there's yards to be had. Uh, the the Chiefs rank 11th in the NFL for if you're ranking the teams that allow the most passing yards uh, this season. They rank uh, 11th, just outside the top 10 in most passing yards allowed by their defense. So you can move the ball up and down the field a little bit against them. There's going to be points in this game where they're probably going to be checked out. What I'm saying is if the Chiefs are up early 21-0, there's definitely a world in which the the Texans can score like a touchdown and maybe a a pair of field goals or something like that, and all of a sudden it's like a 21-13 game, and it's like, oh, what's going on or are they going to try and backdoor cover this game? It might not. It might not end that close, but I think that there will be some points that they're able to grab. I think the biggest question, if you're the Texans, is is there going to be such an emotional letdown from last year, last game that kind of looked like their Super Bowl for this season that they don't ever kick into that gear when the te- when the Chiefs are kind of in a lull. This is really where you where you where you look at coaching right here, because it's going to be their job to motivate these guys to go out and play a good competitive game. It's their job to go out and play a good competitive game. You and it's important to remind these guys that they're going to be evaluated on whether or not they deserve to stay in the NFL based on how they play these last four weeks. But I don't know. It's hard to judge which way it's going to go. And it's because this team could give up or they could watch the tape from the Cowboys game and go, wait a minute, we're not that far away from being a good football team. And I think that that's sort of the frustrating thing is while they are under talented, they are, and and people aren't going to agree with me when I say this, and I accept that and know that. And I just say, oh, well, they are coached well enough that they are in good positions. The real question is, will they be able to break that 24 point barrier? A 24-point ceiling that they just cannot <laughs> cannot break through as a team. Can they find more than 24 points? Well, the the Broncos hadn't scored more than, I think the 28 was the most they had scored all year. Uh, so if there's a team to, yeah, so if, if there's a team to break the, the, the barrier on, it is the Chiefs. And that is one thing. The Chiefs will let you score. The Chiefs, while they do have a good defense, and they do have an aggressive front seven that will get after a quarterback. They will make mistakes. They will play aggressive, and you will have opportunities to put to put uh, points on the board against the Chiefs. The Chiefs' belief is that when the when it's important, they will score and you won't. The Chiefs, according to Pro Football Reference, allow the highest red zone percentage. Yeah. I believe that. Uh, at 68.2%. And they also, I mean, they they rank right in the middle of the pack, right at 14 as far as points uh, allowed, too, at over 22 points allowed. So, that yeah, they're, we're saying the same things. There's going to be points to be had. There's going to be moments in this game where you can grab some yards yards you can move the ball you can score some points if you get in the red zone you should be able to to 
put the biscuit in the basket, as they say, if you get in the red zone against this Chiefs defense. The question is, will the Texans grab grab the uh, opportunity by the horns? Exactly. And that's the real conundrum, because I don't know if they will or not. I think Lovey can coach them into a spot where they do. I think, but he, I we're, think we're Lovey apologists on this show, so that comes as no surprise to anybody I, listening. Yeah, I think he's proven himself. I mean, listen, he has a whole resume worth of proving himself. I think he's a, I think he's proven that he has this team's attention. I think he can still get their attention. It's just people like Brandon Cooks. It, it wouldn't surprise me if this team kind of gave up with the last four weeks. But it is the coach's job to keep them focused. I certainly, I certainly hope they don't give up in the last few weeks. That's for sure. Before we, before we close out here, Nico, weigh in. What do you think? What do you think? Do you think they're going to take advantage of any opportunities that I think they're going to get against this Chiefs team? Uh, it's really hard to say that if they're going to take advantage. I mean, with with our most talented player off of our team, it's really hard to really set anyone thing of any kind of expectation here of of positive direction. That's that is true. Uh, but. I mean, like, it's really hard. Like, will we be the mercy kill? Like, will they just like, all right, we're we're just gonna just chill in second gear and just you know just watch you guys not do anything? Yeah. What what happens if the Chiefs just start kneeling at mid third? Yeah. Like they're up four hundred points. <laughs> it's thirty eight to seven, and they just start taking a knee at the forty. <sighs> that would be. One of the more depressing things you could see in a football game. Uh, <laughs> we'll we'll get into more of this game later this week. We'll have a look at some of the X's and O's, some of the matchup stuff. We'll talk a little bit about Jeff Driscoll, too, and how much we want to see of him in this game, as well as, of course, we'll make some picks later this week. That's all coming up, but I th- believe Wait, that is... Wait, before you the- wrap it up, I need to say this. If we're in the position, take the points. Take the points. Okay, let's. I just Corey DLG, not an NFL head coach. Just for the record, let the record show. Yeah, not not an NFL coach. Uh, I know the analytics now are like, oh, go for two. Is there a way to go for four and leave more points on the field? Do that. I I know it, but for God's sakes, the points still go on the board and they count to the total. He's my co-host, Corey DLG. We've got producer Nico, and I'm your host, Colt Molesky. Thank you so much for tuning in to another installment of Battle Red Radio.